hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. Let me read a quote from Tony Khan right before the first Double or Nothing show in 2019. Wrestling fans have wanted and needed Something different, authentic, and better for far too long. AEW is answering the call. AEW is about more than wrestling. It's about a movement fueled by wrestling fans who have been underserved and perhaps even disappointed by what the industry has produced in recent years. Right before the first show. This company used to mean something. And it's lost its way. Welcome to the good, the bad, and the hungry. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Things look a little different today. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and Fred Moreland is out on business, and he will be back with us next week. But we're going to take a look at what is honestly a very disappointing promotion right now. And this was a promotion designed for people like us, people who listen to this show, the wrestling fan who really wanted professional wrestling not sports entertainment. They wanted a product that delivered really good in-ring action with cohesive stories that mattered, rivalries that would continue across multiple storylines, Dragon Gate-esque stuff, where even though we feuded 10 years ago, I'm still giving you a side-eye because I hate your guts. Even though... We may see eye to eye right now. I still hate you. Wrestling fans wanted that. They wanted a promotion that was going to give them real professional wrestling. For a couple years, they had that. Cohesive storylines. The world title sitting atop of all of them. A well-built story to crown the protagonist of the promotion, Hangman Page. And now... We have a world champion who's essentially feuding with a giraffe and making a mockery of everything AEW used to stand for. And it's not all MJF's fault. It's the fault of everybody. And it starts with Tony Khan. It's the fault of allowing all of this to seep into his promotion, his baby. Is he overextended with work? We can't truly know that. But we do know that he has massive responsibilities with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Fulham Football Club, 
and now Ring of Honor as well as AEW. Every report says that he's leaning more and more on people in the building to help with creative. But are those people the right hires? Are they the right people to help with the vision of all elite wrestling? Because remember, the mission statement of this company is what he said in that interview right before Double or Nothing. AEW is about more than wrestling. It's about a movement fueled by wrestling fans who have been underserved and perhaps even disappointed by what the industry has produced in recent years. Then why is he producing the same stuff? Why is he producing a different version of WWE? Where did AEW lose their way? We see a lot of that in this last episode of Dynamite, and we're going to break it down because this episode of Dynamite was one of the worst, and it wasn't even a bad show. It was just... What's, what's the best way to say it? It wasn't a bad show, but it was a bad AEW show. It felt lifeless. It felt like you were watching corporate training videos. And those corporate training videos, sometimes they have quips. Sometimes they have stuff that makes you laugh. But most of all, they're monotonous, they're boring, but they get the job done. That's what the show was. That is what AEW Dynamite was on Wednesday, November 1st. And if you would have told us that this is what AEW is going to look like a year ago, or even at Revolution, where you had incredible matches, Nobody would have believed you. But here we are. We are at the crossroads of a promotion that is trying to be something that its own mission statement said that it didn't want to be. Their competition. And this entire show is going to be that personified. We start the show with a last week recap in a vacuum it's fine especially because the whole point of the the recap from last week was to set up the opening match so there's some cohesiveness there but then you instead of jumping right to that you jump right to mjf who has adam cole on the television set next to him and renee paquette and you get into this contrived bullshit. Adam Cole says, you know what makes me happy? The fact that you are officially the longest reigning AEW world champion of all time. Why does this championship matter between these two? They told us it doesn't matter. They told us that friendship matters more than the world title. The world title. Friendship matters more than the world title. You saw it at the end of All In when MJF threw the title belt at Adam Cole. And Adam Cole said he didn't want it. And he wanted his friendship. So now, why in the world am I supposed to take this seriously as a fan? Are we starting to just try and only appeal to the masses? And not to the people that showed love for this company early on? People that wanted 
the change. We're going to appeal to those who didn't care just to try to bring them in. It's, it's so, for lack of a better term, frustrating that things have just strayed this far. And then you get Roderick Strong. Adam! Adam! What are we doing? Roderick Strong, great bell-to-bell worker. Never really known too much for his charisma. But you put him in there, he can deliver at least a four-star match nearly every time he hits the ring because he's really good at professional wrestling. Now he's a joke. And you have Matt Taven's little giraffe. A literal giraffe. And to top it all off, Taven was wearing either a giraffe hoodie or onesie. What are we doing? Why in the world does anybody care about a fucking giraffe? You know, they had a real shot with the kingdom. You get Taven in, Bennett, and they did some pretty good stuff in TNA. Bring them into a tag division that honestly needed some new blood. But no, you, you don't use them as a tag team challenger. You don't use them to really beef up the division. Use them for this comedy bullshit. Mike Bennett left WWE because he wanted to wrestle. And he's doing this. Just a poor use of resources. And we're going to be calling wrestlers resources and assets here a lot during this show. Because... In essence, they are. Now, they are real people. But this is about the business of what AEW has become. At the end of this segment, you get somebody wearing the devil mask pop up. About three seconds. So we're still playing up this devil stuff. Nobody knows who it is. My theory is it's Adam Cole. I don't buy that he's hurt. I don't. Why would you have him after being hurt at Grand Slam in all these vignettes with a broken ankle, moving furniture, cutting the lawn? Yes, it is that absurd. It sounds as absurd as it really is. Why would they have him do all this stuff and stay on television when he could just go have surgery and come back in six to eight months? Doesn't make sense. Adam Cole. I think he's going to screw over MJF at full gear. We'll find out if that happens. But this leads right into the AW National Championship match. Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy versus Blackpool Combat Club's Claudio Castagnoli. Wheeler Utah comes down, and he and Hook, who comes down to the ring later on during the match, both get ejected really quickly by Bryce Remsburg. And remember, Claudio earned this match by pinning Orange Cassidy last week in the tag team match with uh, Okada and Danielson. So, all right, so we have some cohesiveness there. That hasn't completely gone away, thank God. Match was good. There's something missing. Like the whole show, it felt lifeless. It felt just off. It felt like two wrestlers just going in and cashing a paycheck. 
And I'm not saying that their efforts were bad. The efforts were good. It was a four-star match. But it was lifeless. The crowd didn't really feel like they cared. And this Orange Cassidy thing, obviously, it wasn't meant to be going on this long. We know that. Mox wasn't supposed to drop the title to Phoenix. And then Phoenix got hurt. And then dropped it to Orange Cassidy. And now guess what? We're getting Mox Orange Cassidy 2 at the pay-per-view. Yes, they're billing it as Mox Orange Cassidy 2. And guess what else they're building as the second match? Shane Strickland. Sorry. Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Page 2. Are we going to get a third one? Are they going to split the series? And then we're going to go to uh, all of a sudden third pay-per-view match? Is this becoming WWE? Because it sure as hell feels like it. What happened to, okay. Mox lost. We'll just move on. No, you got to go back to another match. And we're not even going to talk about the atrocities performed by this company with that home invasion and Hangman Page just going out and wrestling a title match. The old version of this company, Hangman Page would be running around backstage trying to get his hands on, on Swerve. Just trying to kill him. Nope. Not this rendition. No, this rendition. He went out and wrestled a title match and then left the ring when Swerve came out. What are we doing? That leads into that next match, as I was alluding to. Uh, the Gates of Agony defeat the Young Bucks and Hangman Page for the Ring of Honor trios titles. Before that, MJF was knocking on Kenny Omega's door. Jericho answered. Um, slams the door in MJF's face. Wardlow pins up MJF against the wall. Says, you took everything from me. Now I'm going to take everything from you when you expect it. Yeah, this rules. It's also nine months too late. This should have been one of the first feuds out the door for MJF, especially if MJF was going to win. But nope. Took too long. You waited. And guess what? You shouldn't have fucking waited. This is where this company's at right now. It's frustrating. It's lacking cohesiveness. And come on. What are we doing here? The booking needs to be tightened up. And that could have been a really, really good story. And now it's just a part of a microcosm of what's wrong with this company right now. Also, before that match, because I have no idea how to write notes on my notepad, uh, John Moxley does deliver a really good promo on Orange Cassidy. I showed you respect, Orange, when no one would. I let you walk out in your own power in Chicago. I did not have to do that. Did you just write me off like everyone else did? Maybe you're just the wrong guy in the wrong place in the wrong time. It doesn't matter. Either way, full gear. I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life with my bare hands. Just because I can. At least the match will be good. Just in a very annoying process of how we got here. 
MJF, after the uh, trios match, continues to try and find tag partners. Tries to find Samoa Joe in his locker room. Nope. The Acclaim walk by. Caster's holding a sign that says, pick us. MJF doesn't care. Trying to find tag partners? Is this, is this 2006 Raw? Is John Cena trying to find somebody who gives a shit about him? Up next, Tony Schiavone is in the ring with Radar Superstar Adam Copeland. And I have my trepidations about bringing in Copeland just because his WWE run kind of stunk. And it's hard to really pinpoint whose fault anything truly is in that company because a lot of wrestlers don't have actual say in their creative. But things have gone really well so far. It's been cohesive. It's The build has been really good with him and Christian Cage. And we're sitting in a really good spot. Uh, says he respects Darby Allen, one of the linchpins of this company, and obviously Sting as well. Christian Cage comes out. They jump him after a nice little promo from Cage where he sadly doesn't mention anybody's father. And Copeland fights him off, but then gets um, blown in the back by a uh, forearm of Luchasaurus. And they go, they go after him. Get the save from Sting and Darby Allen. And the Rated R Superstar is the third partner for the match at Full Gear. This is the best built thing in the company right now. Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland. Another issue with where this company is at. The best thing in your company is two 50-year-old dudes. Not the wealth of young talent. Not your 27-year-old superstar world champion. No. The 50-year-old guys with one of them just desperately wanting to end his career with the other. That's the best thing about this company right now. Now we get an important announcement with the holiday season coming up. And yes, if you go to any store, Christmas stuff is already up, just ignoring Thanksgiving. Once again, Thanksgiving gets canceled because people just want to listen to All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. They announced that all-in tickets for 2024 will go on sale on December 1st so you can buy them for your loved ones. Another important big announcement that gets lost in translation because it is not nearly as big as what Tony Khan made it sound like. One of the many issues with this company. Then we get Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange versus Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega, the Golden Jets. I love that name. That name rocks. Obviously, hockey team, the Winnipeg Jets. And they're both from Winnipeg. Don Callis made sure you knew that a few times during the show. Fine match. After the Jericho Appreciation Society split, they really haven't done anything with any of those guys other than Jericho. Wasn't the whole point to split off Jericho so they could fly, so they could take a step forward. That hasn't happened. Daniel Garcia went from people chanting at him, professional wrestler, to, hey, do the dance, do the dance, do the dance. 
I hope I'm wrong, but I think they ruined Daniel Garcia. He's got time. What? 24, 25, 26 years old? Taking a guy that's no nonsense, no bullshit, a great in-ring worker who has grown leaps and bounds with charisma. And now he's a meme. This is what you didn't want your company to become. Yet here we are. Daniel Garcia not even being featured on television is a meme because he likes to gyrate his hips like Elvis Presley did in the 70s. We get the announcement of a street fight. Looks like it's going to be four on four. The Don Callis family versus Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Kota Ibushi, and Jericho's giant friend, Paul White. Yes, Paul White. A Jericho reunion that nobody cares about. You have so much talent in this company. You couldn't find... One person that has a history with Jericho in some way, shape, or form that you could bring up here. Why not try a Jungle Boy return? Why not try anything? Paul White? There are a lot of people that compare this to WCW 99 without realizing how bad WCW 99 wrestling really was. It was an abomination. Booking Paul White for a street fight in the year of our Lord 2023 in what's supposed to be one of your biggest feuds in the company. Pathetic. Doesn't make sense. Yes, you have the Chris Jericho big show connection from WWE. But now, 2023? Come on. Come on. After the commercial break, Paquette was backstage to interview Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho in Omega's locker room. In two weeks, the Don Callis family has to face the Golden Jets, Kota Ibushi, and the biggest man in pro wrestling, Paul White. The Young Bucks interrupt. And they basically shoot and say what we've been thinking. Kenny, we're friends, right? What was the whole point of the elite getting back together if none of us have each other's backs anymore? Who invited Jericho into the locker room? And this is where that cohesiveness angle. The Dragon Gate. Side eye. I still hate your guts. And they throw out a line. Well, enemy of my enemy is my friend. But Matt Jackson makes the point. 
Him and Don are cut from the same cloth. He's going to screw you over just like Don did. It's been rumored that we're getting a Young Bucks split from the Elite with their own subgroup with, of all people, Cole Cabana, Brandon Cutler. What are we doing? What are we doing? The Elite was a slam dunk. All you had to do was push him. Make him your big stars. Yeah. Kenny and the Bucks are incredibly selfless. The Bucks lost in the first round of that opening AEW World Tag Team Tournament. Private party to put him over. And then they had a great match against the Lucha Brothers. Now, private party has fallen off for their own reasons. Now, mainly, Mark Quinn has been injured for the better part of the last year and a half. Kenny Omega is selfless as well. He didn't want to be world champ right away. The Bucks didn't want to be tag champs right away. They wanted to build the company, and then they could have their runs. All you had to do was push the elite. That's it. Push your big stars. Make them feel important. No, can't do that. Can't do that. We have to give MJF his vignettes. We have to feature a stuffed giraffe. And now, after barely having you leap back together, more dissension. After that, AW Women's World Championship match, Hikaru Shida defeats Willow Nightingale. Um, solid match. Three defenses, seven days for Shida. And that's an impressive streak. Timeless Tony Storm comes out. Blasts and gets blasted by a knee strike from Shida. And they chase Storm backstage. And then all of a sudden you get Julia Hart standing across from Willow. Sky Blue comes out. We get Miss Braid. And... Oh. More bullshit. More bullshit. Backstage after this, Max is still trying to find partners. Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Jay Lethal come around. Max, we're here to help. Nope. You get more Adam Cole bullshit because Roderick Strong in the Kingdom dialed Adam Cole on speakerphone and... After Strong says some stuff, Cole just tells him to shut the hell up. But the Acclaim says they'll tag with him. You just got to wear this gear, which is a cutoff shirt that says Scissor Me and Custom Scissor Trunks. And it is. The Acclaimed is the Mystery Partners against Bullet Club Gold. Bunch of bullshit. Then you get Jay White pinning your world champion to keep a belt that he doesn't own. To keep a belt he doesn't own. He hasn't earned. Then you get more friends bullshit. Jay White tries to hit MJF with the Triple B, the world title. 
Max Caster pushes him out of the way and takes the hit. MJF refuses the scissor at first, gets yelled at by daddy ass, and then eventually says, yeah, scissors begrudgingly. And that's the end of the show. Crowd is dead. They don't care. Why should they? Why is ADW giving them any reason to care? The world title isn't even around the world champion's waist because it got stolen. And then they won the match to keep the belt. This whole thing's pathetic. You could have just had Jay White and MJF, two tremendous promos, go out there every week and just promo each other. That's what they would have done two years ago, and it would have gotten over. It would have gotten so over that they would have sold out the pay-per-view. And this company is struggling for ticket sales. Wonder why they're struggling for ticket sales. Let me ask my dogs, Odie and Claire. They're right next to me. They're taking a nap. They're like me when I watch this show. Why do you think they're not selling tickets, guys? Yeah, it's because they, they lost their way. They're no longer the company that we grew older with. The company that we started watching from day one and we're so excited to be watching. Nope. They're WWE with good wrestling. This isn't a gotcha moment. This isn't a victory lap. This is an incredibly frustrated show in the good, the bad, and the hungry, being annoyed that this company has turned into something that it said it wasn't going to be. This company has lost its way. Tony Khan has lost what he loves about professional wrestling, whether he knows it or not. The product that we're seeing on television, because this is still a great pay-per-view company. They delivered at WrestleDream. They mostly delivered it all in, and they delivered it all out. They're going to deliver at full gear. But they are not making me excited for it. They are making me actively not want to watch it live. My wife is going to be out of town. I'm going to be able to watch it live if I want to without having to worry about her being a little upset or annoyed that there's another wrestling show on. My wife doesn't like wrestling. And quite frankly, if she were to watch AEW the last six months, I wouldn't blame her. This is a very frustrating company for a multitude of reasons. And we're seeing the manifest in front of our eyes. And before we go, this will be a shorter show because it is just me today. We have to talk about this MJF Kenny Omega match from Collision. In a vacuum, they delivered. Four and a half star television main event. Delivered a pretty decent number for a Saturday night against some good college football. I was watching college football all night. Everybody knows I cover the sport. The second I, I jumped into the office slack and saw that these two were hitting the ring, by golly, I watched it, and it was good. There was something missing. It just didn't feel right. 
It didn't. It felt annoying. It felt out of place. It felt rushed. And they still had a great match. This could have sold pay-per-views. This is why people compared to WCW, because WCW hot-shotted Goldberg, Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome. Sure, live gate. They sold 46-plus thousand tickets. They could have sold a million pay-per-view buys. AW could have broken 175,000 pay-per-view buys. Kenny Omega, MJF, first time ever wrestling in a ring together. These two never wrestled in a tag match, a trios match, a battle royal, nothing. They'd never been in the ring together. And you blew it on a three-day hot shot because you forgot that Kenny Omega was about to lose the longest title reign to MJF. Where's this company? Who's at fault? I can't tell you who's directly at fault because I'm not in the room. Truth of the matter is, from the outside looking in, you could point to Tony Khan being overextended with his other responsibilities, especially now during the peak of the NFL season and the Jaguars are 6-2. and two. You could point to the producers that Tony Khan has brought in, guys like Jimmy Jacobs, Pat Buck, who love WWE-style storytelling. You could point to MJF, who was a WWE mark growing up. Loves guys like The Rock and Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ultimately, everybody's responsible. Unless you're actively trying to fix it. Because the best thing in your company, even though it's great, shouldn't be Edge and Christian. It should be your world champion being dominant, having great promos and great matches. It should be your undercard being something like flying luchadors or like they tried initially, the Joshi and the Chinese acrobats. We know why that stuff failed. But why aren't you trying to reinvent yourself with that element? Okay, what we wanted to do didn't work. A lot of that had to do with the pandemic. Okay, how are we going to shift? We haven't seen that. You have talent, great talent, being wasted and shriveling on the side because you have five hours of television time and they're not given anything to do. Or you're not allowing them to do what they're pitching. I don't know who's to blame. But this company, in the minds of us, the people this company was designed for, the passion is dying. The ticket sales reflect that. We'll still watch the TV, but it's not going to be with the same passion. It's not going to be the second 7 p.m. Central hits on Wednesday night. I need to watch the Dynamite. Rampage has already been uh, television that you don't need to watch for months. Over a year. That first episode of Rampage, everybody wanted to watch. Christian Kenny Omega for the Impact title 
Hell yeah. That sounds great. Now they're doing book cool matches stuff. We had Rocky Romero versus Mystico in a traditional Lucha Rules two out of three falls match. That was awesome. Do more of that. That's what this company can be. It can be cohesive storylines with cool shit. Right now, it's WWE bullshit that just happens to have good wrestling. Eventually, the good wrestling is not going to be enough. It's not going to keep us around. You're going to drive away the fans that you created this company for. So you could draw a few extra WWE fans who like melodrama spiked up to 100 out of 10. Who like these stupid vignettes that aren't even permissible for like a high school theater department. It's running off us. Is there ever going to be a wrestling promotion that's for us? The true wrestling fan who wants great bell to bell. Are we going to have to go to Japan and Mexico forever? Because right now, we're losing hope. We're losing our love for American wrestling, the little love we have left. Tony Khan, you saved us once. Now you have to save yourself. This company can still be great. It's got the talent. It's got the wrestling. It's got everything. The creative needs tightening up. That happens. This company can be great again. This company can be everything that it still wanted to be when they launched the beginning of 2019. That first show ending with John Moxley coming in and beating the shit out of Kenny Omega. It can still be those things. We can still get there. But it has to change. It has to start sometime. What better place than here? What better time than now? Take the words of the Beastie Boys. All hell can't stop us now. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with Fred. Until then, God bless. Hi, I'm Case Lowe, co-host of the Open the Voice Gate podcast. The one question I'm constantly asked when it comes to Dragon Gate is how do I get into the promotion? Well, stop asking and start listening to the Open the Voice Gate podcast released every Wednesday on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. For exclusive news and show reviews, look no further than the leader in Dragon Gate coverage, Open the Voice Gate.